Okay, well, it is actually a real privilege to be with you here today. Um, I know that the whole idea of mission and living as people who are sent is part of the DNA of your church, and there's lots of very familiar faces around here. So hello to all of you that I've known for a very long time, and those of you who are just getting to know me now, um, just give me a few minutes and then you can make a decision, okay? (laughs) Um, But my role today, I think, is really, um, like, your pastor's here, this is their heart to live on mission and live to make an influence in the world. So I really see my role as walking alongside you this morning, sharing some of my story and just the really unexpected things that God has done, um, which took me by surprise, uh, and leave some thoughts with you this morning. So just in terms of how God intends to use us for his mission of renewal and restoration in the world. So how about we pray? Father God, you are so good and we never want to take for granted your goodness towards us. Thank you that you invite us to play a part in what you're doing in the world. And Father, that you would continue to open our heart and open our ears and open our mind to what you would say to us this morning about how you want to work with us to see this world renewed and restored. Amen. So um, I never actually intended to do any of the things that um, I ended up doing. So the message um, is called On Earth As In Heaven. Uh, And I just, I never intended to do any of the things I've ended up doing. And I've had some really unusual experiences. I find it really hard when you meet someone at a social event and they're like, oh, so what do you do? And it's like... Do you want the like the five second version or the sixty second version? So I never intended actually to be a pastor. So I'm an ordained ACC pastor, um, and worked on staff at Nexus Church for about seventeen years. I know I was six when I went on staff there. Um, never intended to be a social commentator writing for the Courier Mail. Never intended to speak out against pornography and the sexualization of society and advocate for women and children. Never intended to end up doing media relations for Red Frogs nationally or then go and help Scripture Union Queensland when there was a High Court challenge to chaplaincy and went and did their national media strategies. Never intended to do any of that. Certainly never intended to end up as the Speaker's Chief of Staff or end up being Parliament's Project Director for the G20 Leaders Retreat. I mean, talk about learning curves. Um, I never intended to end up doing what I'm doing now. I was, I am the founding CEO of the Banyans Health and Wellness. It's a private therapeutic health retreat specialising in mental health and addiction recovery. Um, life has been a really unexpected adventure. Um, I never intended any of it, but it turns out that's what God intended for me all along, even though I didn't know. And the story of how his intentions ended up working out in my actions day to day is what I want to share with you this morning. Now, if anything, I was the girl least likely. Um, If you had known me in high school, uh, I was shy, insecure, carrying huge rejection in my life, would never have been, couldn't, would never have been able to do this, couldn't even really walk from class to class in high school, catching anyone by the eye, but would just like to look down at the ground because I might have to have a conversation with someone and that would be way too difficult. Um, Of course, there's a really long story behind all of that, but the short version is that in a lunchtime prayer meeting run by students at City Point Christian College, where I went, although I went to Everton Park State School for primary school, 
Um, the uniform has changed, although the colours are still the same. <laughs> uh, but lunchtime prayer meeting that some students started running, um, God turned up and met me. And I discovered not just that um, he was obligated to like me or that he was obligated to have me as part of his family, but in fact that it, it gave him great pleasure, that he pursued me, that he adopted me into his family and that delighted him. And for a girl who grew up carrying rejection, that is absolutely mind-blowing and that absolutely changed my life. Um, so, I, that, you know, God's... God does things instantly, but then over a long time. So there was an instant change, but then it's still working its way out in my life. Um, so when I left high school, then I finished school, and my whole intention was just to make a lot of money and live for myself. Um, so I was going to be a lawyer. I was like, that's, I started an economics degree at uni. I was going to be a lawyer. Someone had said to me, be a corporate lawyer so that you don't have to deal with people. And I was like, that sounds really good to me. So that was, that was my trajectory. That was my intention. That's what I was going to do. Until one night, I was volunteering at youth group. I was a youth leader and we were in the prayer meeting. Prayer meetings change a lot of things in your life. One, be careful, but two, get there. Um, so I was in the prayer meeting and it occurred to me, I had never asked God what he wanted me to do with my life. So I just this sort of gentle prayer that just came out, Father, what do you want me to do with my life? Let me know. Uh, and then we moved on into the rest of the night. During that night, two girls turned up to youth and they were very drunk. Um, they had vomited all over themselves and I was like, okay, well, I'm a youth leader. I need to do something about it. So I took them down to the toilets and started cleaning them up. And as I was cleaning them up, um, you know, a, a drunk teenager's thoughts are a sober teenager, uh, drunk teenager's words are a sober teenager's thoughts. And this girl was starting to tell me why she was drunk. It wasn't because she was bad. She was in pain. And she was talking about um, the lack of relationship with her father, the fact that, you know, he never said he loved her. He just gave her money when she achieved certain things academically. And I'm cleaning the vomit out of her hair and I just felt like the Holy Spirit say to me, well, this is what I want you to do with your life. Now, I hate cleaning vomit up. So thankfully it wasn't a literal call to clean vomit up, although I volunteered with Red Frogs for about 10 years. So there was a bit of vomit cleaning up at that point. Um, but basically what he was saying is, I want you to serve humanity. And so I realised that he was giving me a bit of a fork in the road. Uh, and so I had to make a decision. So for that moment, what I did is put my uni degree on hold. I went and started doing Bible college and working part-time to fund that um, while I also interned then at our youth ministry. Um, after the interning, I then went and worked for our senior pastor at the time, John Lewis, being his PA for a couple of years. Now, that's, that's, that's an experience for those of you who know JL. Um, I learned all about all the good places to book him for lunch. Um, <laughs> um, also got to type out all his sermons. So talk about a good lesson in um, how to write sermons and those kinds of things. But... Um, then I ended up as a pastor at the church. Um, lots of different portfolios, creative ministries pastor, even though I wasn't a musician. So that was a really interesting leadership journey for me. Um, young adults, 
community engagement, uh, communications. Uh, and I was just perfectly content. I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I'm going to be a pastor here at this church, the church that I had essentially grown up in. Um, I was born to parents who were missionaries in Japan, but I was back in Australia when I was seven months old and had been at that church my whole life. Um, while I was pastoring, God opened up another really unexpected opportunity, which was to write social commentary for the Korea Mail. So I wrote it as a Christian, but to a mainstream audience. So my byline was Ruth Limkin is a pastor and writer. And so I got to talk about the things that we were seeing in our society, but learned how to talk about them not using the language of Christianese, but just using plain English and not talking about things like sin, but talking about harm and working out how can we interpret what God is saying into a language that people will understand. So it was a really amazing opportunity to steward. I never took it for granted. Did that for about eight years until I ended up in politics, at which time I had to lay that down because I couldn't be speaking on behalf of my boss. Um, so, But that media stuff that I was doing with the Korea Mail then opened up the opportunities to go and do national media strategies for Red Frogs and just teaching um, people who were coming up through the Red Frogs ranks how to talk to journalists, how to get stories placed that were accurate. Um, it's never about manipulating, but it's about serving journalists and letting them know the truth. What they do with it then is up to them. Um, and... Um, so I'd been on staff at Nexus for, I think, 16 years, 14 of them as a pastor. And as I said, that was just what I was going to do. Because at one stage, when I had started doing the writing for the Courier Mail, I wrestled with God a bit. And because a few people had said, oh, maybe you should go into politics or that kind of thing. And I was like, oh, maybe I should. So I'm praying and seeking God. And he's like, just build my church, Ruth. Just build my church. And I was like, okay. I loved the church. I love the church. And so I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And, you know, forget being a corporate lawyer. I'm going to be a pastor and serve the church and was perfectly content to do that. But then it was like over a couple of years, and I didn't notice it at the time. God sneaks up on us like that. He was just starting to shift a few things in my heart and my thinking. At one stage, he just I just had this sense I should go and do my devotions in the Old Testament. So I went to the Old Testament. You skip a few of the books like, you know, Leviticus and Lamentations and that kind of stuff. But um, So I was doing just my devotions and I started noticing all these Old Testament characters that were serving civic leaders like Joseph and Nehemiah and Daniel. And just, it's not like it was any great, you know, God speaking to me, but it was just like, oh, and then a few months later, oh, that's interesting. And here were these men of God who were serving civic leaders and having a great influence for the benefit of the community in which they lived. And it was just an interesting observation and nothing more at that point. And then um, I was at a conference during worship time one time. Um, it was a Bill Johnson conference, and I just felt the Holy Spirit whisper to me. He said, you don't actually have to stay on staff. And I literally gasped because it was such an unusual thought. I was like, okay, I didn't know what to do with it. But then Pastor Murray Avril and I were talking after all. I was coming up to long service leave. That's how old I am. And um, I said, uh, we started talking about, you know, God was doing something really unusual and neither of us really knew what that was. 
And um, I, by that stage, I had started the charity Nexus Care at the um, church. Um, done that for a couple of years, done flood recovery when the, the Brisbane floods hit in 2011. Again, no idea what I was doing. You just like get thrown into the deep end and start swimming wildly, but you just keep a smile on your face and look like you know what you're doing and people trust you and follow you. There's a leadership tip right there. Um, and then Murray was like, oh, Ruth, could you start the kindergarten? And I was like, really? I had no idea how to start a kindergarten. I don't even have kids. Um, so I, I, by that stage, I was wise enough to say, can you just give me a couple of days to think about it? So I had a bit of a think about it, talked to Stephen. I knew that it was going to be really detailed, compliance-focused, which is not my main gifting. But I also knew it was going to be very time-limited because basically we had to get this up and going in six months or all the legislation was going to change from state to federal and we'd basically have to start again. So I was like, I can do this for six months. So six months, worked our butt off. All the government people told us we'd never get it done in six months' time and with 13 days to go, we had a licensed kindergarten because that's what community does. We rise. We're amazing. You know, the community can get so much more done than bureaucracy can, but that's a different message. <laughs> so, so I was talking to God about all of this in this strange sense of, you told me to build my church, so I'm happy to do that, but now I feel like you're saying something different and I don't quite understand God took me back to Nehemiah. He's so faithful, isn't he? Like sometimes it takes us a really long time to try and work out what God is saying to us, but he's never exasperated by that. He's just really gentle and he just leads us. So he took me back to Nehemiah, particularly to where Nehemiah started rebuilding the city walls. And he helped me realize that the temple for Israel had already been rebuilt by that point. Previous exiles had done that. The religious life of Israel was strong but the civic life was broken down the city walls were broken down city walls speak of where government happens it speaks of the ability to engage in commerce it speaks of families being able to raise their children safely because the city walls were strong and these walls were broken down and he led Nehemiah into a mission to rebuild the city walls and he's like Ruth the church is good I need you to go and help rebuild the city wow that's intimidating so I took a big step of faith and I was like father look I'll do it if you and I'll resign from being on church staff if you just let me know what I'm going to do first and like you just laughed that's what God did he just laughed at me he's like Ruth that is not what faith is about he's like I said I told Abraham to go and he didn't know where he was going you're just going to have to take a step of faith so so I did and you know the very next day after I resigned from staff at church absolutely nothing happened the phone did not ring no one offered me a job now I'd been on staff at a church for 16 years and I know how that translates into the marketplace in terms of what on earth is anyone going to understand about my CV? And so I was like, okay. So I just started doing CVs and sending them out everywhere and nothing was happening. And it was like the longest four, six weeks of my life. I'm not quite sure. Uh, and then one day the phone did ring. Always longer and later than you think it's going to be, but at always the perfect time because it was someone who knew Fiona Simpson 
And they said, oh, look, Fiona's going to be the chief of staff and she's looking for someone to be her protocol and communications officer. Uh, Fiona's going to be the speaker of Queensland Parliament. She's looking for someone to be her protocol and communications officer. I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, I don't know what the speaker of Parliament does, so I'm Googling it. And I still couldn't quite understand it before I went in for the interview. So I sent my CV in, spoke to her, went in for the interview with her and her then chief of staff, and I got the job. Talk about a learning curve, international protocol. I did one of the worst things you could possibly do in one of the meetings, this little meet and greet with the Indian High Commissioner, and you set up the little flags and they have their meeting and then you take photos and you give your official gifts. And just before we were about to take the photo at the end of the whole, you know, formal meeting, the Indian High Commissioner's person was like, oh, can you just wait a moment? I'm like, sure. And he went and turned the flag that I had put upside down back the right way and yeah I just wanted the ground to open up and swallow me so um, not because of that but after that I got moved out of the protocol and communications role into the chief of staff role because her chief of staff was moving on for some family reasons and she said would you step up into that role so I was like sure absolutely and she's an amazing woman we've got some great Christian members of parliament in the Queensland parliament and we need to be continuing to pray for them and encourage them Uh, make sure you know your local member of parliament so um so then of course we had the G20 leaders retreat that was lots of fun leading we had to keep it all secret away from the media um so I'm leading like delegations from the US and China through the parliament um and the working media gallery literally is in the parliament we had about six months to prepare and it was only three days before the event that the media got wind of it which was very exciting (laughs) so um Working in politics, the vagaries of democracy meant I lost my job in 2015 when the government changed. So I worked in business consulting for a little while and then I got approached um, to actually in the same week for two different roles. One was with an organisation that's got offices in the UK, New Zealand and Australia and they wanted me to do a role and the other was absolutely no guarantees because it was a start-up. It was me and the two directors and you know a little bit of startup funding and um so I chose that one of course why why choose the one where you know everything's easy uh, and started what we would then name the Banyans Health and Wellness now it's a therapeutic health retreat I do have a photo of the front page of our website uh, the Banyans so we work um, particularly with people experiencing often dual diagnosis mental health and addiction recovery I've learned a lot um, we've got an incredible team of RNs, um, psychiatrists, addiction medicine specialists, chefs, psychologists, yoga therapists, personal trainers, exercise physiologists. It's a great place to have lunch, let me tell you. Um, Emily is on the team. She works with me in marketing and communications. Um, so that's been going now for about three years. Um, we have about seven or eight guests and a team of about 50, including our medical consultants. So it's been a really, um, really hard work, actually. Um, starting any business is hard work. Starting in the area of addiction, where no one wants to talk about the fact that they need help, that's really hard from a marketing perspective. Um, just the whole area of mental health and addiction, sometimes people feel uncomfortable with even the fact that we operate or that we're around. Um, But it's absolutely amazing. So we're actually also a social enterprise. We're half-owned by a charity. The charity works in addiction recovery for people who can't afford treatment. So half our profits go to fund that service. 
and um, we look after those who can afford to pay for their own treatment. So one of the things I love about this is the fact that we actually get to help change people's lives. So um, the prevalence of need in Australia and around the world is incredible. Um, this is uh, we're getting better and better at getting longitudinal data. Just for a moment for those of you who care about health and statistics and is that just a nice place or are people's lives actually being changed? So this is a guess we had a while ago, male in his 50s, depression, anxiety and stress, measuring it on a clinical scale that's used internationally. When he arrived, his depression was extremely severe, anxiety extremely severe and stress severe. Um, that middle graph is when he finished his four-week residential program with us and it was mild, normal and normal. But really excitingly, three months down the track, back running his company, back in the difficult relational situations that he had, his depression was moderate, his anxiety was normal and his stress was normal. You see, I think we actually can be a part of renewing and restoring the world in which we live. And that's in every sector. That's in aged care. That's in this field. That's in politics. That's in media. That's in business. In all the different sectors that we are, God can take us to be a positive influence for him. In fact, Tilly is helping us redesign our website at the moment. And it's an incredible gift to have a web agency who understands our mission, who are really good at what they're doing and can help us communicate that. Tilly is a missionary in her everyday world she's amazing because people's lives are shaped and affected by every arena of our world means that we need Christians who are influencing for good in every arena of our world you know if we decry the state of media it means we need more Christians in the media if we decry the state of politics it means we need more Christians in politics if we decry the state of the healthcare industry it means we need more Christians in the healthcare industry we can never complain about something until we're willing to be part of the solution we are not called to stand on the edge and throw stones. We're called to get in there and to serve humanity. Jesus really cares about people. And that's why he prayed, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I came across this quote a while ago. And it's from a professor from University of Virginia and he said to change the world is at some point to take power seriously I recognize that power is an uncomfortable subject for people of faith and all people of goodwill who quite rightly celebrate service in the cause of the needy the estranged and the common good but the power we need to take seriously is not power in a conventional sense Rather, it is the power to define reality in ways that sustain benevolence and justice. What is at stake? When cultures are good, they give life and foster human flourishing. And when they are decadent and corrupt, they constrict human flourishing and even deprive life itself. In the world we live in, the outcome is far from certain. There is everything to play for here and now. Jesus wants a world that reflects the shadow of heaven. It will never be perfect while we're here because we're here. 
but he does want a world that reflects something of heaven that reflects where people can flourish that that reflects where people can be loved where there is enough to eat where people who are in pain find healing and comfort he wants a world that's why he prayed in heaven as on earth you know when we follow the heart of Jesus it leads us inevitably into a place of suffering to bring healing and hope and joy God's original intention was a world that was good and he uses us to recreate that Monday to Saturday as well as Sunday. So how do we become and be those people that God uses for his mission of renewal and restoration? I want to leave three quick thoughts with you. The first is that identity overtakes intention. So as I said, my intention was completely to live for myself, to just live a life in service of what I wanted. But God met me and God started to speak to me and reveal who I was. We're going to walk through Ephesians this morning. This is the verse that God spoke to me in that student prayer meeting. That changed my life. It said, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. If you ever feel, even like what Graham was was praying about this morning, that you are unseen, know in fact that you are pursued. You are pursued by a God who is not just obligated. You're not a a notch on a belt. You are absolutely, completely, thoroughly loved. It brings him great pleasure to be in relationship with you. That starts to speak to us. It answers the value question in our heart. It answers the thing that we all wonder, do I matter? Am I important? Am I valuable? Am I loved? Am I known? Do I belong? The answer in Christ is a resounding yes. He chases us down. And when we start to have that identity, start to shift, not from what the world would tell us, not from the brokenness of the world, but when we start to have that identity question answered and worked out through that biblical lens, it starts to change us from the inside out. And like I said, almost imperceptibly, it's like moment by moment. Sometimes there's a radical shift, but often it starts to work itself out slowly but significantly, almost catching us by surprise. Because when we realize we're loved deeply and unconditionally, it changes our understanding of ourselves. You realize that the idea that you don't measure up is a lie. And in fact, that you are lifted up that you are seated in heavenly places. You are a co-heir with Christ. You realize that the idea that you are rejected is a lie and in fact you are pursued and you are welcomed with delight into his family. You realize that the idea that you're broken beyond repair is a lie and in fact he has come to bind up the brokenhearted and in fact make us healers. You start to realize you're a new creation in Christ, that we are seated in heavenly places, that we have the mind of Christ that we can apply to those problems in our workplace, that we have the mind of Christ and the wisdom that we can apply to that. And when we discover who we are, when we discover that identity, it actually can't help but change what we end up doing. And so we might not even necessarily deliberately start changing what we're doing, 
But the very fact that we start to know who we are really changes our actions. Which brings me to that next thought, which is trajectory overtakes our to-do list. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. This verse has been a bit of a recurring touch point in my life. You know that, that sense of identity when we start to realise who we are, it reveals to us that we have a purpose beyond ourselves, that we have a greater purpose that's not limited by our perceived insecurities or our perceived limitations, but he has a greater purpose that he created for us even before we were born. And when we start to realise that, that shifts our trajectory, maybe just a little bit. But when you keep going on a trajectory that has shifted, you end up in a far different place than if you'd started on your original. You know, great results don't necessarily come from great planning. Although, as a planner, I love a good plan, I love a good to-do list, okay? I'm just going to say it's not either or. Um, But the trajectory overtakes the to-do list. Great results come from the right trajectory. It's a hard word to say, trajectory. (laughs) Those good works are actually the fruit of us knowing that we are God's masterpiece. They're not necessarily applying our own wisdom, but living out that identity in every moment. But it also means when we know we are God's masterpiece, we know we're created and accountable to a God who has created us. Knowing we are a masterpiece answers the value question and identity question knowing we are God's masterpiece answers the ownership question our life is not our own we're bought with a price and so sometimes that means we walk into situations that we feel uncomfortable but because God is leading us because we're not the final decision maker if we're bought with a price If we're God's masterpiece, we are to do the good things he created for us long ago. We don't get to be the final umpire of what we do. But the good news is, because God is good, the things he planned for us are good. And they actually cause us to step into a life that's far bigger and way more exciting and a little bit more uncomfortable but ultimately better than the life that we would design for ourselves. It actually would have been a lot easier and much more comfortable for me to stay on staff at the church. I had been there 16 years. Um, I knew everybody um, and I know it would have been affirmed as a good and holy choice to make. And yet I felt God calling me into the marketplace. And when we're God's masterpiece, we follow. We follow the master so we can be the masterpiece he created us to be. So regardless of what's on our to-do list for ourselves, as long as we get the trajectory right, you don't have to stress too much because God will let you know when he wants to make you a defining when he wants you to make a defining decision. 
He doesn't try and hide our future. Sometimes he hides the full extent of what you're going to do because you're not that person ready to accept that. And you just get scared and run away. So um, I've never been one of those people who knew what I or had a dream for the next 5, 10, 20 years of my life. If that's you, I just think you're amazing. And I just wish I was like you. But that was never me. I was just content where I was. And then God would spring a surprise on me. And I'd go, oh, okay. Let's see what's going to happen here. Trajectory overtakes our to-do list. And the final thought is his gentle whispers overtake our grand ways of living. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. You know, I just tend to be minding my own business when the Holy Spirit turns up and he says, okay, now I want you to go and do this. And I always feel like I don't measure up and I always feel completely intimidated and I always feel like I don't have the goods. But when I stop looking at myself and I lift my eyes to Jesus and I know that this is what he's calling me to do because there's a world that is broken, I'll take a step. And he is always there, sometimes a little bit more slow in the appearing than what we, than what we want. I, as I said, I do think sometimes he hides his knowledge of, of our future from us because we're actually not the person that we need to be to fulfill that next part. And so when he has changed things in us, then he opens up that next door for us to walk through. And we can walk through then because he's given us what we need and he's created us to be the person that is needed for that moment. Can I just encourage you and I encourage myself every day, learn to listen to the gentle whispers of God. We don't have to have the grand plan sorted out. You don't have to know what God's calling you to do in a year. Just know what he's calling you to do this afternoon. That's all you have to do. And just listen to the gentle whisper of God. You know that it's been the gentle whispers of God that have been incredible touch points in my life. I was um, sitting on the front row of Nexus Church as the creative ministries pastor and uh, during a sermon and I just felt this whisper of God, you need to ring up this week and find out about your business degree. I'm like, honestly, where did that come from? So it didn't make sense to me. But I rang up. I was partway through a business degree I had put on hold when I moved into creative ministry. It's like, I just realized I got a bit of a pattern in my life. I start degrees and put them on hold. Um, so I rang up and they said, look, you've got, because you've got nine years to finish a degree. And they're like, you could get it finished if you start this next semester and you do two subjects each semester and um, a summer semester. I'm like, okay, <laughs> my life is already full. Um, and this perfectionist by heart had to learn to just be comfortable with a pass because um, a pass meant the difference between spending time with my husband or not. So, you know, make wise decisions, Ruth. So, um, so I did that because I felt God was leading me to do it. But it didn't make sense at the time because I was a creative ministries pastor. But of course, down the track in all the different things that God led me into, I needed that under my belt and it needed to be done. It gave me a platform for some of the people that I would be interacting with to realize that I had the credibility to do that. You know, the marketplace change, that gentle whisper series 
of gentle whispers, most unexpected. Then I think it was the first week I was working at Parliament and um, there was a bit going on with the Speaker's role. It's a, I won't go into all the parliamentary regulation and that kind of stuff, but we were under a bit of stress and a bit of pressure and, of course, I had no idea what I was doing because I was working at Queensland Parliament after working at a church for 16 years um, in the Speaker's office, which I had to Google to try and find out what the Speaker did. Um, but one of the other things I had to do was liaise with the media. And there was a particular state political editor. He really knew his way around everything. He knew more about how Parliament worked than I did. And um, he rang me for a comment on something. And I'm ashamed to say I was a little snarky with him. Um, He was quite snarky too. Um, And I'd sort of said something and we had our exchange and we just kept going. And the next day, I just felt that gentle whisper. You need to ring and apologise. I'm like, oh, come on. (laughs) You want me to ring and apologise to this really powerful political journalist? It'll probably make him realise I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) But it was just this, and I mean, it's an awkward conversation to have with anyone, let alone over the phone with a political journalist. Put it off for half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour. Ruth, you have to ring and apologise. Okay. So I rang, I was like, oh, hi, um, it's Ruth. And he's like, yep. And I was like, I actually just wanted to ring and apologise for how I spoke to you yesterday. Silence on the other end. Pretty sure political journalists don't get apologised to on a regular basis, particularly by political staffers. And I was like, look, I know you've got a job to do, I've got a job to do, I'm really sorry, I shouldn't have spoken to you like that. And he just kind of stammered out these words. He's like, oh, that's okay, you know, that's fine, no worries. Now, that was fairly humbling for me. Um, But that relationship down the track ended up being a really important one at a pivotal time in something that happened. But more importantly, he would have known I was a Christian. Um journalists do their research and you just had to google me to know that I was a pastor so who knows what that did in his heart but at least I could try and live out my faith in the marketplace in a way that was integrous when we were getting the banyans up and going as I said not everyone likes Services that look after people who suffer addiction or mental health. Um, I did have one person say, well, we don't like people with problems. <laughs> and I smiled and I said, well, we all have problems. <laughs> and in my head I'm thinking, and you probably have more. So, <laughs> But then I went and repented. Um, and so it was actually a really hard journey for us to get this up and going and lots of court cases of people trying to shut us down. I'm like, seriously, I'm just trying to help people. Um, and then I was sitting in a meeting and so we, it was um, the question of whether we would continue or would be able to continue was a very real one. I was sitting in a meeting that was completely unrelated and I just felt the Holy Spirit say, just have a look at those town planning regulations. And I had a look and I found a way that regardless of what happened in the court case, we would be able to continue in a slightly different way, but still we would be able to continue. It's the gentle whispers. We don't have to have the grand plans. We don't have to have the grand way of how we're going to achieve God's mission for him. 
we just have to listen to the gentle whispers because he is way more interested than us in bringing hope and healing to the world. So identity overtakes intention. I want to pray for us all because I know that there will be a whole bunch of people here and some of those different points that I've made will resonate with you. Some of you have sorted that identity issue years ago. Um, Some of us still have that identity um, issue pop up from time to time. Um, So maybe that's what the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you, that it gives him great pleasure to adopt you into his family. It could be that... And I've just totally forgotten my second point. could be that trajectory overtakes our to-do list. It could be that the Holy Spirit just wants to shift something in your heart just a little. And it's just that ownership question of, does my life belong to me or does it belong to him? Because if it belongs to him, he gets to have the final say in what we do. Or it could just be he wants to give a gentle whisper to you this morning. It could just be he wants to just give you the answer to that issue that's, that's a real problem in the workplace. You know, most of our staff at the Banyans are Christians and there was an issue a few months ago that was causing me great stress waking up in the early hours of the morning. And I grabbed a couple of them. I said, like, can we just really pray about this? And while we were praying, it was just this whisper, this phrase that unlocked the whole solution. He's got that for you today. Whether that's something in your family, whether it's something in your workplace, God cares about your mission. And so he can give you a gentle whisper. So why don't we stand? I want to read essentially the paraphrase of Ephesians over you and perhaps um, the worship team um, could come up basically just the musos at the moment and then we'll finish with some worship and so I want to paraphrase those verses from Ephesians um, instead of about we about you and I want to pray that over you and I want you to just open your heart and receive Whether it's something from the Holy Spirit about identity, whether it's something about trajectory, that ownership question, whether it's just hearing his gentle whisper this morning. He's got a divine moment for you right now, a divine appointment, because he cares and he loves about you and he cares and he loves the world in which we're sent to. And so it is absolutely about you, but it's about more than you. It is absolutely about you discovering who you are created to be, but also what you're sent to do. So perhaps you could just open your hands in front of you, close your eyes, and I'd love to pray this over you. Even before he made the world, God loved you and chose you in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt you into his own family by bringing you to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. For you are God's masterpiece. He has created you anew in Christ Jesus so you can do the good things he planned for you long ago. 
And I pray that from His glorious, unlimited resources, He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Hallelujah. Just recognise the presence of God right now. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. Holy Spirit, you are here. You are active. You are speaking. You are whispering. Holy Spirit, Spirit, bring healing. Bind up the broken hearts. Father, give greater vision. Let, let people sense that you are singing over them this morning. You are delighting over them. Oh, Father, your smile over this church is just incredible. Father, this church, you sing over this church. You just, when you think about this church, you can't help but break into song. A song of love, a song of rejoicing, a song of wooing. Oh, this church has a strong history of mission in its DNA. And Father, you are breathing new life onto that. Father, you are re-energizing. Father, that we can be agents of your restoration and renewal in this world. Father, we lift up our workplaces to you right now. And Father, we declare that they are actually under your authority. Father, every power which might try and bring discouragement or division, we just speak the name of Jesus over it. We go in as agents, agents of love, not fear. Agents of truth, not lies. Father, we take power seriously, the power that serves. We want to define reality in a way that sustains human flourishing. Father, just whisper to us this morning. Just whisper. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And now I just want you to activate God in you. And I just want you to turn to someone next year and I want you to pray a prayer of blessing over them. This is not a, um, you don't have to give direction. I just want you to pray a prayer of blessing over them. Just pray blessing over their week, blessing over their mission, blessing over the things that that they hold in their hand as agents of God. Because this is where we get to practice what it is to let God flow through us. So that then when we go into our workplace, we we feel more comfortable speaking the blessing of God, whether it looks like a prayer or whether it looks like a conversation. We speak the blessing of God over every person that we come into contact with. So can I just ask you to do that now? Just turn to someone, pray the blessing of God over them. This was produced by Cornerstone Christian Resources. It is deemed copyright and may be used by For further information about Cornerstone Christian Resources, please visit the Cornerstone website www.homecommunityworld.com.au Cornerstone meets at 81 Meter Parade Alderney every Sunday.